Hello and welcome to episode 10 of Flight Pass, the disc golf podcast. Today we sit down with number one Canadian disc golfer Thomas Gilbert. We talk about his new contract with Thought Space Athletics and we talk about what it's like to be on tour and what maybe needs to be that next step so we see him on the podium more often. Today there will be no on the tee pad as both Kerry and I have the flu and at the time of recording we couldn't get together we both still are recovering, but next week we'll be back with lots of happenings. What happened in Arizona, what happened down at Raptors Knoll, and all the other shenanigans we've been up to on the disc golf course. Just before we go to the circle, there is a point in the conversation where Kerry mentions another Canadian player name, and it drops out. That is Casey Hannemeyer. So when we talk about Canadian players towards the interview, the person we're talking about is Casey Hannemeyer. So anyway, let's go to the circle. This is deja vu for Kerry Thomas and I, as we already chatted with Thomas once, but due to some technical difficulties, we're, yeah, we're well. recording this episode. So uh, Thomas. Hey. I, sorry. Uh, no, I heard someone talking in the background. I don't know. Oh, yeah, I know. I wasn't, I was not sure if they were. Yeah, I'm in Kevin Kiefer's house. So no worries. They're, uh, they're in the other room watching some football. Okay. The NFL games are on, so okay, no, another no, no, no. excited about that. Okay. Anyway, Thomas, thanks for giving up another Sunday evening. Um, you're down in Florida, and as Kerry just said, um, you, well, I, looking at the two of you, people can't see this. <laughs> Kerry, Kerry is you can almost see through her, and Thomas is developing his Florida tan. So, <laughs> thanks for joining us again. Of course, no problem. Thanks for having me on. And for the second time, a big congratulations. Um, for signing with Thought Space. Yeah, yep, that's right. Thank you very much. Yeah, and we, we chatted a little bit about that last time, but just tell us how that happened again, again, if you don't mind. Yeah, of course. So, like the story with Thought Space, I met Aaron Wilmot uh, up at Canadian Nationals when uh, I was there playing the tournament. He was there caddying for uh, Matt Bell, who uh, was competing with me for the win up there, and we kind of just started having a kind of nice friendly conversation. He introduced me to who he was and um, a little bit about his company thought space and some of the cool things that they're doing. And it seemed pretty interesting. And so like we kind of had that connection and um, that's my kind of first like expressed interest in, in their company. And then uh, we continued to talk a little bit throughout the next week because we went down to, um, MVP, or I guess Greenmount Championship, and then the week after that was Maple Hill uh, MVP Open, and he had a booth set up there, and so we got to chatting a little bit more. And then that's kind of when we first made uh, the connection of like potential sponsorship opportunities for the upcoming season because my contract with Prodigy uh, was coming to an end, and so he was just like, "Hey, like, you ever wanted to discuss like the opportunity to work together in the future, like?" Thought Space would be honored to have you on a team, and and we would really like to kind of see where this could go. And so as the year kind of wrapped up, I I reached back out to Aaron as like companies were kind of starting to uh, come into the fold, and I really really liked all the different aspects of Thought Space Athletics, the the discs, the artwork, the family dynamic that they have going there. It's it's really amazing and really comforting and so kind of 
drew up an agreement that would make both of us really, really excited to uh, be working together in the future. And that's kind of how the whole contract came together to be sponsored by ThoughtSpace for the next two years. Did you did you represent yourself, Thomas? Or because I, I saw you with Schaefer Sports Management now. So did they mm-hmm. help you with that? Or was it something that you took on yourself? It is something that I took on myself. And that was kind of my own choice just because I really think it's important to have that kind of personal connection with your sponsorships. And I think that that creates a much more genuine connection. And as well, um, uh, the relationship I had with Prodigy specifically was like exclusively without agents. And I think as well, trying to bring an agent into the negotiations, Prodigy hasn't really responded well to that situation like in the past. And so for me, I wanted to keep it on a personal level and and not try to bring more into it than needed to be. And I think that that worked out really, really well to just communicate directly with them. And then as well with ThoughtSpace, uh, I, I had developed this personal connection with Aaron uh, through Nationals and through the other tournament, Maple Hill. And I felt like I could, we could talk honestly and straight up and we're on the same page most of the time. So I didn't have any need to really bring in um, like an agent for the situation. Well, that's, that's awesome. It sounds like a really good connection. And um, I know you had said a little bit last time we talked to you that he talks to you all the time, right? Not just as the owner, but like checks in and sees how you're doing mm-hmm. and like that family feel, right? Just making sure that everything's going good. And yeah, yeah. He, he's fantastic at that. He's honestly probably the number one uh, person in my recent list on my <laughs> phone call. So it's, it's, great to to have a sponsor that checks in so frequently and it's always on top of the little things that we're working on and making sure that like yeah things are rolling smooth because that that's huge to kind of feel that support from a sponsor as a player and um so yeah to have such amazing connection with them like even makes this this potential partnership even even more special and makes me feel really uh part of the family that ThoughtSpace has created that's very cool. So it's probably been three weeks to a month now, I'm guessing, since you signed with ThoughtSpace. Somewhere mm-hmm. there. Um, yep. So you've had you've had plenty of time to, well, not plenty, but you've had time to throw their discs. Um, mm-hmm. what, what's your bag looking like right now? Um, bag's looking pretty good right now. I think I got almost everything figured out. Two weeks, I'll be heading out to Las Vegas and I actually have a, my first tournament up this weekend. Um, here down in Florida and so from the thought space lineup I have leaning heavily on probably the Pathfinder, the Praxis, the Coalesce and the Omens right now which is uh, if you're not really familiar probably like a neutral putter, a dead straight mid-range kind of like a buzz, Thunderbird like disc and then a Firebird like disc. And just like they fit the slots of those discs super, super well, uh, throwing them with a lot of confidence and really trusting them now. And it's a uh, it's pretty cool the things that they can do. The Pathfinder is probably the farthest flying mid range I could have ever imagined. Wow, I that I was talking to Kerry before um, we started recording about my bag and how it's changed for 2023. But that's probably because you know. I changed my bag more because I can't throw discs and, you know, I find a better disc. 
but the mm-hmm. disc the disc that I would never remove from my bag right now is and I've had it since day one is a Pathfinder. Mm-hmm. It's, it's such a, a straight mid range for me. Like mm-hmm. I, yeah, um, a tunnel shot, I'll take that out every time. So not that I'm gonna hit the tunnel, but that's the one I will <laughs> take out. Yeah, so I'm I'm excited. And do you know if they're gonna be working on any other molds or are you gonna get a, a Thomas Gilbert signature yeah. series? Yep. So we got the the signature series um hopefully gonna be rolling out either right near the end of Vegas or kind of start in the Texas swing. Uh, so probably hopefully by like early March or so. And I think they, they had teased it out a little bit. So it's going to be the Nebula Ethereal Coalesce, which is uh, very exciting. And then as well, somewhere down the line, we were working on creating um, a new putter, which will be very exciting and uh, hopefully become my new putting putter for this season and beyond. Nice. Are you, what else is in your bag? Cause you're throwing, like you have to throw 50% thought space mm-hmm. and then you can have yep. an open bag after that. Can you tell us what else you've slotted in there? Like what was the first disc when you left Prodigy that you're like, this is going straight back in the bag? Oh, uh, destroyers for sure. I mean, destroyer, I think almost every company is trying to emulate a destroyer in one way or another. Yeah. And, uh, so that was just one disc in, in, uh, in my bag that I knew was was going to be there have not only one but probably three or four different slots just uh, in varying stabilities. But it flies so so nice. I actually posted a little funny video today of me doing like a little driver lineup, and it was it was fun throwing a bunch of different destroyers and and whatnot. So uh, there's a few other discs in there that I have like a few little. Um, Fun ones from other different companies. I have the NV from NVP. I have the Jokery from Pro Discus, the Zone from Discraft. Uh, I have like a Force and a Nuke that I might toss in there. Uh, of course, I have the Sexton Firebird back in the bag for kind of those straight, uh, particular forehand shots. Um, I think I have like a Taurus from Millennium, which is like an overstable mid range. And then kind of like yeah still messing around with a few other discs that may come in and out of the bag um depending on like the tournament conditions but yeah it's very fun to kind of like mess around with um the open bag opportunity and see what kind of discs there are from all these other companies uh to be to be thrown very cool and i mean i think sales are gonna of tsa are gonna kind of spike in canada um since you've Absolutely. signed them and i know i'm mm. we're waiting for the thomas Gilbert, um space shirt as well mm-hmm. yeah we we have i think two two different designs kind of thought up one i think it's almost finished and uh then we have another cool little project that we're working on for hopefully um in the summer that will be released to kind of continue the trend of uh one of last year's jerseys and then uh yeah very excited for for those releases to be coming out as well yeah, I know uh, Dan at Okanagan Disport is going to be very excited because he'll have more of my money in his pocket. <laughs> exactly, yeah. yes. Yeah. You talked about tournaments that you're, you're playing. Now, on my Instagram feed, a thing came up, or maybe it was a Facebook feed from the Pro Tour, and it, you were one of the top three players the number of rounds played last year. Mm-hmm. Played a lot of rounds. Do you, will that be similar this year, do you think? Are you going to 
go all out or are you, uh, are you like picking and choosing i hope not i hope i can kind of control myself a little bit more this year because it's a lot i mean it takes a lot of uh energy to play all those all the different tournaments like almost every single week and yeah i hope i can be a little more picking and choosy at which events i want to play like it's not absolutely crucial to play every single pro tour that's like in the possible lineup so i'm trying to like focus on some events that i i really want to play i want to get back to kamloops and play tournament capital open i want to i'm uh, gonna <laughs> be playing canadian nationals gonna be playing Discmania open and um hopefully maybe another event or two up in canada i want to do my little europe swing again this summer which i really really enjoyed last year are you and, and yeah with, just enjoy some of the tournaments with the european swing and this new announcement of the pro tour and is it seven mm -hmm. events are you planning yeah, to yeah. some points over there and um hitting up those events or does it not work out for when they happen yeah so actually i had already signed up for the two events that counted towards the pro tour points the PCS Sula Open and European Open. Okay. But I also in plan to sign up for the Galeftia Open and the Sweden Open, which are two events that are now in that Silver Series categories, which will be kind of exciting because I didn't, yeah, I didn't even realize that they were going to be events. And then I may also play the Holland Open the week after European Open, but that one's still to be determined, I guess, whether um, I need to head back over to play any type of events or not or uh whether i can stay another week over there in finland and play that event but uh yeah it kind of just happened that the those guys announced the silver series which i think is pretty exciting because picking up like a win or two there would be yeah. would be huge and could really help on the the tour points point of view well, talking of winning, um, I don't know whether early in this conversation, did you hear like a ping, like a messenger ping in your, or maybe it just came through my headphones from my computer. Well, we're, we're going to be recording two episodes tonight. And one is our kind of okay. review, um, you know, after we're going to do a review and a preview of next year. And we've been asking some local disc golfers who the, who's going to win worlds, who's going to be the top FPO, MPO player, and who's going to be mm -hmm. the, the breakout player. And earlier there was a ping and it probably come out on the recording. And that was um, one of our fellow disc golfers, Justin in town. And he was answering the breakout player or the surprise player of the year. And his name, the name he's put was Thomas Gilbert. Oh, there you go. You've got the, the, the pressure of Justin DeVries on your shoulders now. <laughs> All right, perfect. And he's, he's a big guy, so he's a lot of weight to carry. So, all right, anyway, well, yeah, we're, I'll put we're, the we're, right on top. Yeah, we're, we're, all, we're, all, uh, we're all cheering for you. And, um, yeah, it, I think it's going to be a great season for you. Thank you. Yeah, I'm very excited to uh, get the season going and see how, how well I can perform on the Disc Pro Tour. That's awesome. And so you said you're going to Vegas, and then you mentioned the Texas Swing. So mm -hmm. is your, before you head out to Europe, are you pretty packed? Are you doing everything through there or is gonna... yeah it's pretty pretty packed uh up until the yeah the flight to europe so yeah. i yeah, i'm playing the whole vegas and then i think i'm just doing two events the the texas swing and then i'm gonna be uh playing one event here in florida 
throw down the mountain because that's just a really fun event. Head up to, I think, like Jonesboro and Champions Cup. And then uh, and somewhere in between there, I have an event in um, North Carolina, a Silver Series that I'll be playing. And then I think I'll be heading up to TCO. And then I believe kind of the West Coast swing happens. I think I might be skipping out on OTB Open to to play or like have a little bit of a rest in between those events and then um kind of once the west coast swing wraps up that's when the flight to europe will will commence and that's when i'll play some of those events and i think i might miss like one or two event of the elite series here i think at the um preserve championship i will likely be missing and then um yeah i'll be coming back in time for Glow and kind of the rest of the events that follow that. How, how do you get around from tournament to tournament? Do you drive? Do you have a, you know, like a motorhome or? Yeah, so I drive for the most part throughout the entire year. I have uh, my car down here with me right now and I'll drive that from event to event and uh, usually just get like an Airbnb or host houses with different people um, or sometimes I'll get a hotel room with like uh, another touring pro but yeah i would say that's kind of the mode of travel right now and then uh flying a little bit here and there if the events uh distance is just too great how do you feel about the end of the year thomas has been been listen i listened to all the podcasts i can consume mm-hmm. and the big talk is like all the back-to-back like with the world and champion cup and the usdgc and like, how do you feel the end of that? Are you going to take a break before some of that? Or are you just going to roll straight into all of that? Oh, I think it's going to probably have to roll straight into all of it because I think, I don't remember what's exactly like right before Worlds, but I know like Canadian Nationals are like in the middle of August. And then I think there's like, one more event in between nationals and then i believe worlds and then worlds goes directly into or maybe it's mvp first i think it might be mvp then worlds yeah um it's mvp world championships it's media open and then i'll probably uh either fly or drive up to that one and then it's right down to South Carolina, I believe, for USCGC Pro Tour Championship. And uh, I think there might be another event happening um, around that time as well that's all kind of yeah, jumbled in together at the end of the year. It's kind of like a little bit of a sprint at the end of the season, it is, uh, especially definitely. with the two slash like almost three majors with the World's USGC and Pro Tour Championship all happening. Within almost like a month, events, right? I think the I think the world is anchored by two qualifying events for the um, pro tour finales. Like you know how you guys play the oh yes, yeah, the, the yeah. playoffs, playoffs, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh huh. So yeah, you have the yeah the playoffs, which are weighted higher than yeah. all the rest of the pro tours that we've had throughout the year. Which um, yeah, kind of reshuffles a little bit the uh, um, the points around for. Yep. qualifying for that pro tour finale so i'm really really hope that i'm in a place uh this year where i don't have to really worry about that shuffle too much or yep. i can just play play solid and kind of like because my goal is just to qualify i don't i don't care too too much about like 
having buys through okay. um, a bunch of rounds or stuff. I, I mean, I think the the field's getting so good that I'd honestly be pretty happy just to keep up and stay in the Pro Tour Championship. It is. It's getting insane. We had this conversation uh, with Zoe Andyke uh, a little mm-hmm. while ago about the FPOs, right? And yeah. just saying like, everyone that's buying to to win like this next world's and like I said I think my most exciting win will be Paige's sixth world because she's gonna have to bust it out for that like it's that's how good it's getting in the FPO side mm-hmm. and same yeah. with the, well look Aaron Gossage right came came up right on Paul's butt last year so yeah it's I was gonna ask you about that because you made the, you just made the cut last year right like mm-hmm. you're just on the line yeah 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 Okay. I know it's it's gonna be an exciting season, that's for sure. You're still young. I don't think people realize how young you are because yeah. it caught mm-hmm. me off yep. guard when you told me. You're, yeah, twenty three. Yeah, you're twenty three. Like you're mm-hmm. still like you're you're very mature for your age. So I think people think you're like that twenty seven, heading that direction, and mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And you throw a mile, so. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. So. Like, you talked about, you know, one of your expectations or one of your hopes was to be, uh, or goals was to be qualify um, for the final tour play down there. Just a random question that popped into my head. Do you rather win your championship or the world's? Oh, the world's for sure. The world, world championship, without a doubt, is the most prestigious title you can get. It's the biggest legacy. I mean... If I ask you to name every tour championship winner, I think it'd be pretty difficult, but I feel like yeah. if I ask you to name the world champions, it should be relatively easy. And just the the amount of things that come from a world championship win is is so much bigger. Sure, the, the cash prize is, is uh, bigger at the moment for the pro tour championship, but I think the that's the tournament everyone look forward to is the world championship. That's people pour their hearts in. That's what gets all the recognition at the end of the day. And so world championship is absolutely like bucket list item that, man, I would love to have that on my resume by the time I retire disc golf is at least one world title. Yeah. I, I, I agree with you totally on that. And I think that, and, and for the same reasons. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. We could we could have a whole other podcast on it. On that. yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, we sure could. You're coming up to TCO, which is really exciting. Defending your championship there, and defending your Canadian championship. We're looking forward to um, having you up in your your TSA colors. Mm-hmm. Well, you've got the, you're defending in Europe as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're going back to that tournament. Um, that one, I'm unsure of yet because it's a little bit later then kind of the rest of the events where uh, last year kind of fit perfectly because I think it was like three weeks before the whole like European Open swing of it. And so it kind of just fit really well into that six-week period that I was in Europe. And I think it's like three weeks after European Open this year. So I I kind of have to, to decide a little bit whether I'm going to be extending my trip that long of time to be able to play that event again. But I definitely will be playing some of the Euro Tour events to hopefully get another win on out there. Compare the atmosphere of um, you know the European Open to maybe one of the majors in 
you know north america mm-hmm. the, the, the crowd the atmosphere the it, are the crowds more rambunctious or louder or cheer more in either is, is, are they more passionate um, in europe or passionate in the states do you think yeah so it's actually kind of interesting where they're both bigger in certain instances in like in certain areas of spectatorship where the crowds and just the size in general are much bigger in Europe, like the European Open. It completely wowed me of how many people could fit into this property that they had for the European Open. And although all of them have this like interesting etiquette where they they're relatively quiet, they they clap for your shots, but very rarely will they get loud and like cheer and really scream for their players where i feel like in north america and especially some places in um well both us and canada i would say are a lot more eager to root and cheer and scream for for shots and get a little more rambunctious uh, but then on the same time like the the scene of kids in europe are absolute crazy monsters who they're like the excited kids that you see like reaching over the stands to try to get a signature get an autograph and they're the youth over there is is a very exciting thing to to witness from the european spectator crowd so i think once you see a lot more kids kind of uh attend those events like they're gonna go wild but right now i'd say it's it's interesting kind of the etiquette of like the current European spectatorship. I think about hole 18 at the European open Mm -hmm. heading up the fairway, like you've shot down and now you're going up the fairway and that whole left side is just packed and like 30 deep and there's bleachers and, but you don't hear them like as, as watching it, it's like you can hear a pin drop when the player is going to throw. Like you said, the etiquette is yeah. insane for that many thousands of people, right? It's yeah, it's, it, it's nerve wracking. Like I feel like I get nervous for the players out there because that's, that's right. Of so mm-hmm. yeah, so I noticed that too. Like the etiquette's very, very different for sure. And you yeah, know, the, your observation about kids, I can't. You know, after watching the tours, I can't remember seeing many young. I'm trying to picture. You know, many young people or kids under the age of 15 say watching so that's very interesting and one of the um, comments I made in the last episode in the uh, kind of preview episode is that we've got a lot of European women in I'm expecting more European MPOs or males to um, to come into North America and play well Um, Simon I consider American even though you know because he's been here so long even though he's yeah. German, but it's, um, is it Nicholas Antilla? It's probably the yep. highest rated. Um, mm-hmm. but there, there's many more great Europeans out there. And I, I wonder if we'll see some more. Well, I'm hoping we'll see some more come over and make it more yeah. of a world game on the MPO side. I hope so too. Yeah. They, I know a lot of those players have, uh, really high ceilings and just, kind of like similar to myself I almost um, like to compare it to sometimes it's like it's it is a difficult thing and it is a huge skill to be consistent enough to put it all together 
round after round after round in a tournament the same way that the top American players do. Because you'll see like players like Albert Tam and uh, Lowry Lettinen and uh, Linus Carlson and other really good players. Of course, Nicolas Antela, who, who's kind of proved it the most out of the European players. Um, but yeah, like Bino Makala, they're all really good players that have very high ceilings, but they haven't yet shown the consistency to really put their name up on the leaderboard during that final round and be right there competing for the win. So you, you have the shots. Do you think that's your next step is the consistency or is it something else taking you to being a podium finish or a challenge to podium finish every game? Yeah, I think the consistency is is definitely the area that I probably lack to be able to take down uh, a win like that. I think a lot of that comes from like even just confidence on the course. A lot of the times, like if I if I'm not quite feeling like my skills are absolutely pinpoint on point, I I feel like man, there's so many amazing players out here that have the skills and have the consistency to just play that little bit better than me. And it's really, really interesting because I've kind of noticed that when I'm up in Canada, I kind of have a little bit of a mindset switch where uh, I have a little more confidence. I can kind of get a little more of that focus and, and really dial in like some really hot performances. I think both at like tournament capital open and Canadian nationals, I played better than I did almost the entire year uh, just because I had that little bit of extra confidence and focus to stay consistent through uh, the entire tournament. Do you think being in Canada and being the Canadian player maybe felt more supported? Like you had that Mm -hmm. crowd support and like everywhere you turned, it was all about Thomas, right? Like, so maybe that comfort in knowing that, that, you know, you make a good shot, the cheers are going to be for you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah absolutely i mean i i feel that huge whenever i'm at canadian events like even just the atmosphere around the tournament itself like when i see people uh at tournament central or at players parties or even just in town at the disc golf courses it's like it, it's it's a really cool feeling to kind of like be that well known and be like the kind of the hot shot in a way at the tournament yeah. and um the guy that everyone's kind of like looking up to to uh win the event or to perform well that week and so it's it's like an incredible feeling and, and gives me a lot of like confidence and a lot of um like positive feelings when i'm on the course to like make these good shots be proud of the shots that i throw and like be able to easily look past some of the bad ones because people are still rooting me on and yeah. i think that's that's a huge thing that i feel like at those canadian events and there's such a, there's a big difference. I, I say this all the time where, like, you know, you said it, it's, it's a good feeling to be the, to be the hotshot, to be the person, right? <laughs> but you're also such a humble person and there's a difference. And someone, you know, someone will go, oh, that person's just cocky. And I'm like, no, that person's just really confident. You have to, you don't go out to an mm-hmm. event saying, yeah, okay, I might take fifth today. No, no, I'm here <laughs> <Yeah>. to win, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know? And, but you do it with such humility that I, you're easy to cheer for. It's so easy to cheer for. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, thank you. I mean that that does mean a lot. Well, we can't wait. Like I, I really do hope you are coming back because it'll be exciting. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Sweet. So 
Um, you're, you've got Thought Space Athletics you just signed with. Do you want to give a shout out to any of your other sponsors or people supporting you? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, really thankful to, I mean, everyone, uh, all my fans that are rooting me on. I, I want to give a huge shout out to Thought Space and Aaron for um, giving me this opportunity to play for them this year. I'm really excited for some of the opportunities we have coming up for this season and as well as all the other sponsors that kind of support me and help me on the tour. It's a, it's a great feeling to be well supported like that. And of course my family and fellow Canadians I want to thank them as well. I have, I have one more question. We did a yep. Christmas special um, and we asked people to write in and ask questions. And one of the questions that was posed to Clive and I was, what is it going to take to get more MPO FPO Canadians on the tour? And um, I said, you're the only full-time Canadian touring. Mm -hmm. Went sporadically. And I haven't talked to Casey. I would like to talk to him because I know like he had a full-time job or maybe still does have a full-time job. Um, But my answer was basically population and time in. Like, Mm -hmm. do you have a little bit more insight? Could you throw an answer down on that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think... um, a lot of it for for us as Canadians particularly is kind of being being in a place where you can do it. And I think pushing yourself to to make that decision, just go out, give it a try and you know, shoot your shot on tour is kind of the best way to put it. Um for me, I was in a really good situation where I was kind of in between high school and university was when I first kind of like went on the road and tried disc golf for the first time in 2018 and I went down for uh I think almost like four months and played a bunch of like a ton of of U.S. tour events and I honestly didn't finish great at a lot of them but I finished well enough in some of them that it gave me the confidence to understand that I could do it if I continued to uh work really really hard and dedicate myself to becoming the best player I can be and that was what it was able to convince myself to go full time, but it needed the commitment of not being afraid to travel down and, and do it even in a way when I wasn't most comfortable to to do it and I didn't know that I was going to be able to do it. And I think that just that little bit of a push and a little bit of a nudge is something that a lot of the Canadian um, MPO players kind of need to, to do to take that risk and to see if it can pay off. And that's kind of what Casey did when uh, he like quit his job and, and tried disc golf full time for um, the period he did this season. And now he has a really good sense of what it takes to tour full time in the disc golf world. And now he has, he can make the decision to, to play full time next year if he, if he really aspires to, to go at it. I guess it's just making that decision of security over following mm-hmm. your dreams and your goals and your aspirations, right? I think we get comfortable with security yeah. and um, we don't take any risk. So I guess if you're young and you don't, you're not tied down, a little bit of risk, right? You'll, you don't know unless mm-hmm. you do it. Okay, I, exactly. I, I like it. There yeah. you go, everybody. That's what you have to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got a little bit of risk. Yeah. Um, now, we might have changed up these questions a little bit since we last recorded with you but you know we have the, we have our series of questions like to ask um every mm-hmm. guest 
So this one might be a little bit different because we did change it up, but I think it, it's similar. First question has two parts, including yourself. Who do you want on your card? First for just like, hey, I'm going out for a fun round. Yeah. With the players, it can be MPO, FPO. Who's going to be your fun? You know, you're just going out practicing, having fun. Uh, mm -hmm. And then the second one will be, hey, you're playing. Who's your favorite? Who will be your favorite players to play first round of Worlds or you're playing at OTB or whatever? Who would be that more serious card that, you, you know, the professionals you enjoy playing with? Mm -hmm. Well, I believe probably Calvin Heinberg, Paul Macbeth and Krista Tatar just like go play with them, have a fun round because they're, they're all like very serious, very good players, but they're all very enjoyable to play with like in a casual setting too. And that might be something that not a ton of people know uh, about those three people's personalities, but like that's what makes them enjoyable to play with on the card. And I think as well, just their experience as champions hopefully would rub off a little bit on me if I was to play with them. <laughs> that, that's interesting because, you, you know, you watch Kristen on the course and I mean, she, in the, in the, I mean, it's in the best possible way. She's a machine. She's just mm -hmm. dialed in all the time. And you can say pretty much the same about Paul. Um, Calvin seems very dry and, you know, um, so, you know, if I, if I was personally to pick the three that I thought were the, fun, the most fun, not that I don't uh, I would love to play with those, but yeah. the three that most fun, they, they wouldn't have come up on my, on my <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I'd just be like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, you know, being, you know, Calvin throwing it 500 miles, you know, Paul hitting mm -hmm. where he wants to and Kristen just doing whatever she wants to, that'd be, that'd be an amazing card to be part of, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. How, how about your um, tournament card? Um, tournament card? I would probably keep Calvin on there. I think I might switch out and add Nate Sexton. Nice. And then I'd probably, hmm, who else would I add on there? Probably add in like a guy like Zach Melton, just kind of like a guy that can kind of keep me. And I, I played a lot of really good rounds with, with Zach before where he's kind of just like kept it just light enough where like, it's still a serious round, but like I'm not getting too much like in my own head about the round. Yep. And then uh, maybe another player like like Kevin Jones. He he's a good hype man and <laughs> like just kind of fun, fun to like because he likes rooting for others on his card too. He's not all just about himself, but like if he gets some pretty amped up, he he like is gets super excited for seeing good shots which i usually find pretty enjoyable yeah you can hear it in, you can see it and hear it in his voice and when he's on coverage and you can hear him in the background like cheering for a good throw and yeah he just mm -hmm. he has lots of coffee <laughs> yeah yeah exactly he needs his coffee in the, for sure <laughs> in the morning okay um one disc you can go out on a you know just uh so you're going out on MacArthur Island or Rose Hill up here in Kamloops, and you can only play. You can take your putter with you, but one disc. What would that disc be? Um, I think it probably a destroyer, just because I can be so versatile with it. I mean, one disc I've been really liking from Thought Space is the Coalesce, just because it can do so much as well, forehand, backhand. But I think like 
for most courses, probably probably a destroyer. And I just realized I, I was thinking for myself there, um, because you can probably throw a putter further than I can throw my driver. So you'd use that off the team. Yes. So one disc without a putter. Uh, I think I think probably I think probably the same disc. I think I can can do the most with, the disc with that, and, and including putting. I, I'm pretty nasty at putting uh, destroyer from <laughs> forty feet in. <laughs> Great. So you you also were just uh, it, well, it just it wasn't just it was during USDGC, but the distance competition. Mm -hmm. How you were you came in fourth. Uh, yes, I believe after the final shuffle, uh, yeah, I was in fourth place. And how far did you throw? Um, I think my furthest shot there was uh, 307, or sorry, 676 feet, um, which, yeah, was a very good throw through the, like, the full S shot in the air. And yeah, it definitely felt really good. What disc? I think I can hopefully, I, th I threw that with a D3. And I'm hoping this year I got some uh, Halo bosses that I think can maybe try to break that 700-foot barrier that, you know, Albert was uh, lucky enough to break in that distance competition. And so excited to throw those. Albert did it with, like, a standard golf throw. Oh, like it's He didn't, like, have a run-up. He didn't do a 360. It was just, like... He looked like he was throwing a 500-foot fairway the way he ran up and approached it, which was insane. Yeah, I think Albert Tam is one of the most underrated distance throwers in the world. Like, he, he's easily got, like, the distance level that people, like, acclaim with Eagle McMahon, both forehand and backhand. Yeah, he threw 710 feet, right? 710 feet with, like, a slow walk run up. <laughs> Totally. And it was, it was incredible. Yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty that's, cool. That's well, I know, great. I remember when you were here, Thomas, I was down at Tournament Central and someone came in and if anyone's ever played Rose Hill and we have the, the back, our gold layout, and you threw hole one and you threw past the basket and people were like, oh my God, this was insane. Thomas threw past the basket. And it was so cool because these are people, are, are pandemic golfers, right? So they haven't mm -hmm. experienced anyone that can throw like that so yeah well you were impressing people with your distance for sure oh that's very cool yeah well yeah that yeah very cool indeed last question another two-parter bucket list course one you haven't played that you love to play and your favorite course hmm. uh bucket course that i haven't played yet i believe is uh raptors knoll in bc I mean, it's a course that I've been trying to get out to for, for years now and just still haven't got out to it. I've heard so many great things about it. It's on my list of things to do when I come up uh, to Kamloops again this year. Nice. And then, uh, let's see, course, favorite course in the world, just got to be Maple Hill in uh, Massachusetts. It's, it's such an amazing course that has all the terrain, all the different challenges you could ask for. And really beautiful area too my bucket list course so yeah yep. maple yeah. hill is mine as well well and, and i do have a one question because we did uh, we've chatted with a teammate of yours zoe and dyke mm. and she's involved in uplay um are you involved in the uplay organization 
Yeah, so I, I'm one of the instructors um, in Uplay, and so we we go to several different schools uh, throughout the tour season around usually the same town as or city as the tour stops, and we'll go out for a day and uh, teach usually like four to six different sessions of kids and um, introduce disc golf to them, and then Uplay leaves them with a huge set of putters like a couple hundred putters and usually one or two different disc golf baskets that they can use and incorporate into their education plan for phys ed for the rest of the year or for the rest of the time nice so it's really cool yeah uh, yeah it's great it's great to see um athletes give back to the community and promote the sport in other ways so uh, kudos for you in getting involved with that yeah absolutely it's very honor to be part of it yeah any last questions carrie i'm i'm good i'm i just saw smiles because thomas is telling the cameras <laughs> yeah it'd be awesome it'd be, it'd be good to see you again um yeah yeah looking forward to seeing you in Kamloops in may on my wife's birthday so on my birthday i'm going to a tournament in langley at raptors knoll on my wife's birthday i'm playing in the tco so, so i'm not the favorite person in the household right now but that's okay. <laughs> But this anyway, uh, very good yeah. yeah, thanks again for giving up your time twice. Um, wish you all the best for the coming season. And you know, you've got um, Canada cheering you on and uh, people around the world, I'm sure, cheering you on. So um, good luck and congratulations again on your, your new sponsorship deal. Yeah, thank you so much, Carrie, Clive. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Yeah. We'll see you in May. All right. Take care. See you. All right. Bye. That was our chat with Thomas Gilbert. I want to thank him for giving up actually two Sundays to get one interview recorded due to technical issues. And please tune in in two weeks where we'll have another interview and a reminder we'll go over all the shenanigans that we've been up to. A shout out to Okanagan Disc Supply, our sponsor. Go to okanagandisupply.com and use the code FLIGHTPASS for a 10% discount. See you in two weeks and may all your putts go in.